If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiya, handsome. Come to join the party. Hey, party people. Welcome to the Patrama Party. I am Remy Ramirez, your host, as we plunge the depths of our problematic childhoods and maybe get a little crunk in the process. So feel free to uh, mix up a tequila sunrise or a jungle juice if you prefer, or, you know, whatever. An herbal tea is great. Today, we're talking about restoring faith. And when I say faith, I don't mean religious faith. In fact, I probably literally mean any kind of faith except religious faith. I'm talking about faith in the goodness of humanity, faith in the goodness of the universe, faith that you're going to be okay, that it's okay to feel safe, faith that you get to have a good life that embodies good things. When you're an anxious person, and especially when you didn't grow up feeling safe, it's really hard as an adult to just 180 that shit and be like, actually, everything's cool. Plus, I mean, um, you know, come on, we're surrounded by pandemic, by police killing black people and raping women and getting slaps on the wrist by mass shooters. Even if you grew up feeling safe, it would be understandable if you didn't necessarily feel safe now or feel like there was any point to having faith in the goodness of things. To talk about healing this massive bummer that has followed me around for many years. I'm so excited to welcome therapist, writer, and spiritual mentor, Liz Hummer, back onto the show. Yay. Welcome, Liz. What is up, girl? How have you been? Yay. I'm so excited to be back. Um, I'm extra excited to be with you from Costa Rica this time, which- I know. <laughs> I know. You're doing it up for your Sag birthday. Yeah. And I feel like, uh, just us being here is like evidence of faith and good things. Mm. This is a beautiful place. Yay. Yay. Energy. So I am here for this from one side to another. I approve wholeheartedly of getting the fuck out of the country whenever possible for as long as possible. And you, your trip is going to be five weeks total by the time you leave. Yep. Yep. And it turns out we timed it for like, we st- we were got here and it was the Taurus, uh, lunar eclipse. We had the mm. solar eclipse. We're going to leave on the full moon. So it's like a, this full lunar lunation and my 40th birthday. So, Fuck yeah. um, so big, cosmic, very, yeah. Yay. Yay. Liz. I love it. Cool. Um, okay. I'm going to jump into some of my trauma. <laughs> around faith and you can totally chime in anytime or you know if I can paint your toes stretch or like whatever microdose whatever you feel like doing and then afterward I'll ask you a bunch of questions on the topic how does that sound sounds great yes okay let's dive in rad so whenever possible I like to start out with a story that goes light on the trauma but I just honestly couldn't think of a story about restoring faith in the goodness of life that was like chill particularly. So I'm just going to go straight to the hard shit. I grew up on the stories of my mom's childhood and her childhood involved physical, verbal, emotional, and sexual abuse. So by the time I was probably seven, I knew all those stories And I'd already experienced many nights of my mom crying and talking about this abuse. And when she would do this, she would also cry about being single. That was a huge source of her pain in her life. And she would say, why does no one love me? Why don't I have a husband? And this felt like the thing that could be changed, right? Like I couldn't change her past, which I very much as a child wanted to do, but I could pray for her to get a boyfriend because my Catholic grandmother had taught me that anything I really wanted, I could pray for. And God and Jesus 
would help me get it because they loved me. So every night for years, I prayed for my mom to get a boyfriend and my mom did not get a boyfriend. (laughs) And she continued to be super bitter that she was a single mom for my entire childhood. It wasn't until much later that I realized the impacts that that had on me. I was told that getting what you prayed for was proof that God loved you. And I didn't get what I prayed for. And that by logical deduction meant to me that God didn't love me. It would take years for me to understand that that experience planted the seed that God loved other people and other people's families, but not mine. Like other, other families had money. They took vacations. They had nice, reliable dads. My dad never remembered my birthday and he'd get angry over very small things and certainly didn't, you know, like rearrange his life in any way to provide for us. Also other families, moms were calm and nurturing. Mine was stressed out and screaming all the time. And so what it felt like for me as a child was, oh, God heard me, but didn't care. He cared for those other families and other little girls, but not mine and not me. And as I got older, that sort of like apathy from God evolved into this sort of sadistic joy in watching me suffer. And part of the reason for that evolution was because when I was 23, I suddenly broke out in cystic acne all over my face. Not only was it super painful physically, like it hurt to put my face on a pillow, but I was also deeply ashamed. It brought up my deepest, darkest, most fucked pain around not feeling lovable and not feeling worthy. And I had to wear that pain on my face where everyone could see it, which sent me into massive anxiety and depression. But I was like, okay, a person who really loved themselves, by the way, I did not consider myself at the time, a person who really loved herself, but I, I felt like I could go through the motions of people who did. And I was like, oh, a person who really loved themselves would cure this naturally because I thought that that was like the spiritual thing to do. And I thought that if you did the more spiritual thing, for one thing, it would prove that you were more spiritually evolved, but for another, it meant that you would get more help from spirit. So I spent the next two years in acne hell trying shit like the master cleanse, which I did for 10 days and like full on macrobiotic eating clay masks, apple cider vinegar, nothing was working. And as nothing was working for those two years, I went hard on this belief that God didn't love me and had turned his back on me. But now I was nosediving into depression and suicidal ideation because here I am an extrovert who's isolating because I can't bear to have anyone look at me and see how deeply unlovable I am, which, you know, that's a whole other show, but traumatizing childhood plus (laughs) the patriarchal objectification of women doesn't exactly set you up to love yourself unconditionally when you're breaking out with cystic acne all over your face. And during this time is when I went from God ignores me to God gets off on seeing me suffer because I was doing every natural thing I could think of seeing naturopaths, acupuncturists, herbalists, and nothing was working, which to me was just evidence that I could try and try and give and give to the great power that had his hands on the on off switch. And he would just sort of laugh at me. So a good two years later, or so, maybe two and a half, I finally found a doctor who was like, you have parasites. And by the way, you can't eat any sugar or wheat or fruit or rice or potatoes or corn or caffeine or alcohol or pork. I mean, this list went on and on. So this was great in the sense that it cleared up the acne, but for the next 10 years, while I had to be super committed to this diet, like literally could not make a single mistake, i.e., order a salad with salad dressing that had honey or sugar in it. Two things happened. One was I was a nervous fucking wreck around food, which sucks because you have to eat. And I started feeling like God was a withholding God who again 
was getting off on taking this ease and this pleasure of food and cocktails and a coffee in the morning and like, God forbid, salad dressing with a drop of sweetener in it away from me. Because again, as I saw it, God was running this show. That was what I had been taught was that like, um, I could pray to God and God was like, you know, the, like had the controllers in his hand and was like, Oh, I got this prayer from Remy. Like, we're going to do this thing instead, because like, I love her. So I answer her prayer. That's how it was sort of like, um, that's, that's, that was the teaching that was how spirituality was relayed to me at a very early age. So in other words, in my mind, I was super victimized. And the truth is, you know, a lot of people, and I don't want to say people, a lot of us, <laughs> we bring issues on themselves. And I've absolutely done that. But this wasn't one of those, right? Like sometimes life does hand you shit that you do not cause in any way. Like you really are a victim to something. Um. I get, I'm trying to think of a, a really good illustration. And I think maybe childhood cancer could be a great example. You know, like that's not anyone's fault. It's just incredibly fucking painful. And if, and maybe it feels arbitrary and unfair and not right. And like something God chose for those people, which by the way, that's not me comparing what I was going through to childhood cancer, but I bring that in to illustrate that sense of victimization by the universe. During all of this in my late twenties, I was fucking falling apart emotionally. I, I wasn't having active suicidal ideation anymore, but all of these experiences with my health and with the way I'd framed God's involvement in my health, it was like I had tried to partner with God. And instead of teaming up with me, he had gleefully and sadistically exposed my deepest insecurities to the world for years. And then in finding the cure for me had taken away all kinds of pleasure and an ability to just relax around a basic need, which is food. And that was because bottom line in my mind, I was not loved by God and others were. And I remember this made me feel so deeply flawed, this sense that I wasn't one of God's loved ones. And I remember writing in my journal when I was like 28 or something, writing to God saying, you made me wrong. You made me wrong over and over again. Then in 2017, I made a pretty wild decision to move to Sedona from LA, knowing no one and having no idea how I would make money. It was exhilarating. It was exciting. And it was incredibly scary for me. (laughs) Like a lot of crying happened. At the time I was actively working on my relationship to God and I was saying things like, okay, I'm going to trust that God has my back. I'm going to trust that I can follow this intuitive hit that I meant to to be in Sedona, et cetera. I was working on following guided intuition and I was working on the idea that my intuition was in partnership with God's love and guidance. And it all felt really fucking vulnerable. After about six months of living in Sedona, I was starting to feel like I had made a really good choice. I was getting used to living in the desert, to slowing down, to going freelance, and things were just like, everything was really clicking. I was feeling really happy, and I felt like I was turning a corner in my relationship with God, and at just about that time, I was sexually assaulted by my roommate And of course, went into one of the worst depressions I'd ever been in and was back to suicidal ideation. I was drinking every night. There were times I literally couldn't get off the floor. It was a fucking terrible time in my life. And part of what was at the core of that was this renewed sense that I'd been rejected by God again. This sense that I thought I was doing the thing God wanted me to do and then was punished for doing that exact thing which A, is incredibly anxiety provoking to feel like no matter what you do, the universe will find a way to fuck you in the end. And B, when I think back on my childhood relationship to my dad, that could literally sum up what it was like, you know, that you're always waiting for the other shoe to drop and there's absolutely nothing that you can do right because you'll be punished. So it's not a surprise to me that I projected that dynamic onto my relationship with God. Okay, so 
what has been healing for me in this process? Um, I, I, I've definitely had healing around this, especially in the last year, but I do want to be transparent that I don't feel like completely healed here. So I do, I want to say that this belief, you know, it was, um, it was embedded so deeply in me at such a young age that I, I notice as I become aware of it, that it pops up a lot. It's like a knee jerk reaction that I engage in, but don't realize that I've engaged in until afterwards. Although I will say that like the time that it takes me to realize that I'm engaging in it, um, has gotten shorter and shorter. So that's good. But here's what I can offer. There is no one on this planet who gets out unscathed. And while there are people who have it easier than others, for sure, I think probably every single person who's alive could look at several things that happened that were out of that person's control and say, they could, if they wanted to say, it wasn't fair and it wasn't right that that happened to me. And that person could justifiably feel victimized and maybe even feel victimized by God if, if they saw it that way. And there is a new question that comes up for me now when shitty things happen or even tragic things. And that is, what door does this open for me? And I'll use the assault as an example, because I do genuinely feel that, yes, we are survivors, those of us who've experienced sexual assault. But we are also victims of assault. And I actually think it's an important part of healing to acknowledge that. And it's easy to stay there. And there are times still when I feel victimized by that experience. But I also made a choice probably um, maybe three months after the fact, after that assault, I made a choice to go balls to the wall in healing from that. I took on all kinds of healing modalities. I mean, I fucking stacked the healing modalities and continue to like, I have two therapists today and that opened so many doors for me, this podcast being one of them. So while I don't think it's a good idea to rush to that question, that question of like, what door does this open for me? Um, because I think we have to take time to grieve and be in the raw motion. I also think that when you're ready the question can shift from why did this happen to me? Why doesn't God love me? Why is the universe out to get me to what can I learn? How can I grow here? What is being asked of me? And can I eventually um, give to others because of this? But again, I think I, I do not recommend that anyone rushes into that question, but that is one. Two has been my angel Oracle deck. I read tarot and the tarot can be very fucking anxiety producing if you don't trust God because the tarot doesn't lie and it'll just be like, oh, hi, um, you're about to have a mental breakdown this week. Oh, hi, you're about to lose a bunch of money. Oh, hi, betrayal is around the corner, which is exactly the card actually that I pulled a few days before I was assaulted. I pulled a betrayal card. And if you aren't in a space to trust the process, then that's just a fucking one-way ticket to anxiety town. But my angel Oracle deck is really gentle and it frames things in a really loving way that reminds you that you're loved and cared for by angels. So I still read tarot some, but I rely more heavily on my angel deck these days because it really calms and soothes me. And it also, I'll say it sort of has retrained my brain because the way that it frames things is so gentle. And I, I had a therapist tell me years ago, like, yeah, of course you're not gentle on yourself. You, you've never had gentleness modeled to you in any way. And so my brain, um, is a, is a, is a force, right? Like it's the, what, what goes on in my head isn't naturally nurturing. I have to make, well, in terms of myself, I can be naturally nurturing with other people, but with myself, um, I'm just not right away. And, and this working with angel decks and seeing how they can frame difficult situations in a very, yeah, gentle way has, has, 
like, um, you know, when you create those synapses in your brain, it's like, it, it forges that path for me, that neural pathway so that I know what it can look like. And the third thing I'll touch on, which I talk about all the time here is learning to reparent yourself. And that's such a massive topic, but to be brief, it's the process of tuning into the grief and sadness you carry from childhood. And this goes back to what I was just talking about. And rather than abusing it, which is what so many of us learn to do as children to abuse our own fear or sadness or grief to, to, um, punish our sadness, our grief, um, the way that we were punished for being sad as children, um, you learn to talk to the scared, grieving, angry child who is still living inside you with love and, um, with wisdom and with kindness. So the child inside me says, God doesn't love me and doesn't love my family and has abandoned us. And when I hear that voice come up for me now, I can say, yeah, it makes sense that you would feel that way. And I know that's a scary, sad thing to feel, but actually you are so deeply loved by the universe. And you know that that's true because you've come out of so many really painful situations and you've found healing and beauty and joy every time. And that is the spirit of God inside you. And you can do things like put your hand on your heart and rock back and forth, which I've talked about on here before, but rocking is a calming practice that is found worldwide cross-culturally. And it's something you can physically do to soothe an overloaded nervous system and let it know that you're safe. So, um, and you don't have to believe in God to do that. <laughs> um, it's, it's like, it is another way of literally remothering yourself is, is putting your hand on your heart and rocking your body back and forth. Okay. So with that, Liz, I'll turn things to you. Last time you were on, on our chaotic childhoods episode, you talked about your dad's borderline personality disorder and his subsequent suicide. And I can only imagine that parts of either or both of those sparked a feeling that the world you know, fucking didn't have your back. So I'm curious what your personal experience has been around restoring faith and what has been healing in your process. Mm. Thank you. Thanks for asking. And thanks for sharing so, so much. And so openly, I just listening to all the way that you went through like the pain of what you've experienced and then how you've sought healing and how you've found meaning and in your whole journey is that's like, that's the definition of post-traumatic growth. Mm. And it's, um, I can't even say it any better than how you did. Um, and, uh, it's interesting too to come, come then with, with my story where, um, I, I feel like I have similar feelings, but like, because of different experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, and so for me, um, I, my dad was someone who, who just, he felt so cursed by the world. Mm. And, um, I never fully understood that. And, but I saw it in him and, and there's a way in which, I mean, and this is, this is after years of grieving, right? Like you just said, like, you can't rush to like, you can't spiritually bypass the pain of bad things happening and really deep pain. You have to feel it feel it to heal it is kind of a cliche term, but it's really simply true. Yeah. Um, but he, in a way, like growing up with that experience and seeing like the ultimate end of his story, um, it was a big wake up call for me where I was just like, I saw him believe and not be able to, to really change his beliefs that, um, based on fear. And I was sitting in his apartment after he died and looking at just all of his scribbled notes of fear and things mm -hmm. that he had kind of gotten lost in his own head. And I was like, 
he was very um, worried about his health. That's where he fixated. And and it was like, what was all that for? Right. Like, right. Like you said, we don't get out of this unscathed. Like ultimately we're going to, we're going to die. We're going to go back to the earth. We're going to pass to another side, whatever you've, whatever phrase or, you know, euphemism you want. And what am I going to do with this life? Like beating inside of me right now. Um, and it felt like, you know, one of my teachers in energy medicine talks about a broken heart being this cracking open and grief being that portal to finding your, your spirituality again, finding some kind of deeper inner connection. And I think that for me, like that's where connection is really, um, the heart of, of what we're talking about. And it's, I think it's disconnection is the source of so much of our suffering and pain. And so when you're talking about, um, reparenting yourself, you know, you're, you're reconnecting with your inner, your inner sense of yourself. And also you're reconnecting with this, your higher self that's always there observing you. Um, and you're integrating that you're integrating those parts of yourself. And I think we end up, um, experiencing so much pain from organized religions, at least in our Western culture, because at their very root is a goal of disconnection. And when you say connection and disconnection, what specifically are you talking about? Connection from yourself, connection from others, connection from God? I guess I'm talking about the word in any, in any sense of it, connection mm-hmm. to, to not being isolated, to not feeling so isolated. And you can apply that to anything. It can be connection to nature, connection to other people, connection to your inner self. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and is inner, Oh, sorry. Mm -hmm. I just want to ask is inner self, how you define God or sorry, higher self. Is that how you define God? Yeah. It's so hard to say that I define God in any one way, because the reality is, I mean, and now we're getting into like my Sagittarius, like, poof, how (laughs) do I contain this? Um, (laughs) there's just no words. It's a great mystery. It's, it's, I think, I think, the journey is in finding what is meaningful to you. Okay. So, and so therefore the connection that you're talking about is in finding what's it, whatever it is connecting to whatever it is that's meaningful to you versus isolate being isolated from whatever it is that's meaningful to you. Yeah. Yeah. I, let me, let me kind of go through your story and like, use it. Can I use that as an example? Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. So, um, you talked about being Catholic and this idea that you had to pray to a God to get something. I mean, right there. And I grew up Catholic too. So I completely relate to, and I turned my back on it and just thought, you know, this doesn't mean anything to me. And so I didn't think I was spiritual at all. Um, until basically until, um, having my son and losing my father and having this, these huge life changes make me turn inward. Mm-hmm. But point is, um, cause a lot of, you know, Western religions rose out of patriarchy and the, that the idea was to consolidate power with right. the religious, um, leaders. Right. And so in order for them to have power, they had to send the message that we as individuals did not have a connection with God or source or energy or life or protection or love, whatever word you want to use. And so this, um, this disconnect began where like God is out there. Mm. Right. And I have to talk to him and him, right. Like right. it's a man definitely has a, a penis, some kind of authority, like <laughs> definitely with a big white beard on a cloud, like you grow up Catholic and like, that's how you see God. I can't, I mean, I don't even use the word God very much because it doesn't mean anything to me Mm -hmm. after those experiences. But, um, you, that you don't have to ask something else to give you life or to give you what you need. Like 
you are a part of it. I mean, if you want to get into physics, we are all made up of the same thing as the stars, you know, or if you want to get into energy, like we are made up of the same life force that the plants are, that is making them grow, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we aren't, we aren't disconnected. There is a larger, I think there's a large force that's animating all of life. And then it's within us too. So some people will find meaning in angels or some people will find meaning in a, in a beautiful ancient mother tree, or some people will find meaning in God. And some people will find meaning in like tapping into their intuition or their higher sense or higher self. And it's, I believe it's all the same energy that's animating us. Um, I'm pretty sure I got very far off track from your original question, which well, is like very. <laughs> well, um, okay. No, but I love, no, but I love where you were going. Um, I was, I had been asking about what your personal experience was restoring faith, but you're talking about reconnecting with the idea of connection and like this, mm-hmm. you're talking about Catholicism saying, hi, you can't get to God unless you go through us and dismantling that belief in ourselves and building up this belief that we can, we can connect through whatever is meaningful to us. And it can look a lot of different ways, but it's ultimately all the same energy. And I think that's, that sounds to me like how you have taken on, um, this process for yourself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think the question this idea of restoring faith, there's like two prongs to it where doctrine trauma and the fact that we have lived in a, well, you know, you and I in a, in America, in a, in that culture, um, for generations, pretty much steeped in, um, Christian religions built on patriarchy. I mean, that's like, that's a whole other thing to address. Right. (laughs) I mean, yeah, that's real. And that's why so many of us turn our back on that. And when the word faith can seem loaded, when it's connected to, um, those ideologies. Right. And also we're kind of just taught that like, there's only exactly what you were just talking about. There's only one way to faith. You can only faith Mm -hmm. through God, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i.e. like Catholicism or any of these entities, these patriarchal structures that, um, are so disempowering to women. And actually I have like, that is a question that I have for you because religion in general is, you know, if you just look at, uh, numbers and statistics, it's the place people go mainly to feel a connection to their faith. But for one thing, uh, religion is nearly synonymous with patriarchy, you know, like Mm-hmm. For the most part, even Buddhism. And for many of us who identify as feminists, there's betrayal in the very idea of a male God. And beyond that, a lot of people have been traumatized um, by organized religion for tons of reasons. And, and so I am also curious what faith looks like for you as a mental health practice versus a a religious or even spiritual practice, because I believe that, um, I think faith is probably something that's really hard for atheists to come, you know, to wrestle with, but is there a way for us to have faith in a secular way, in a way that, um, is about mental health? That is a great question. So many layers there. And I think this is where, this is the second prong that, that I was referring to where, okay, if we're not, if we're going to just say, you know, we've turned, I've turned my back on Western religions and I don't, this is why, and we all have our reasons if we do that. Um, what is faith then? What is the word faith? What does that really mean? Does it, how do we redefine it? Um, and for me, it's, it's a belief in the unseen or something that hasn't happened yet. And that can be a belief in, um, in life itself, that life keeps regenerating, which Mm -hmm. you can see through nature. It can be a belief in yourself, have faith in yourself. And in terms of mental health, um, where we're talking about, oh, this is the way I think, and this is my inner narrative. And these are the beliefs I have. 
you know, it makes a lot of sense for anyone who's experienced trauma, whether it's really young or later, but when it's really young, right? Like you said, it's embedded so deep that your mind, our mind is, it, it has a negativity bias, which is like a survival mechanism. Like watch mm -hmm. out for the dangers. I'm going to protect you. Um, and then basically that gets kind of overactivated or misdirected when you are now living your present life based on bad things that have happened to you in the past. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you're, you're, you're now you're on the lookout and you're, you know, looking for bad things to happen and you're protecting yourself. And so the anxiety is fear of the future. So if you go back to faith and that faith is a belief in the unseen, anxiety would be a belief in the bad things that have yet to come. Mm. And so we want to come back and the first antidote, you might not be able to shift your belief from bad things are in my future to good things are in my future mm -hmm. right away. That might be too hard first, but the antidote to even that future focus is to come back into your present and, you know, start by having faith in the present, which really would be like bringing your attention to the present, bringing your mindfulness back to the present. Am I okay right now? Like, is this couch supporting me? Do I have breath going through my lungs? You know, um, just basic needs and like tuning into yourself inside, um, in the present and meeting those needs. And I think you can begin from there to over time, as you do that, have faith in yourself. And to me, the first step after that, like that, um, and that in and of itself is a reconnection with yourself, right? Like, because if you're always, um, worried, believing in bad things in the future and therefore scanning the horizon and looking outside of yourself for them, you are not connecting inwardly. Mm. You're, you're connecting outwardly. Right. So coming back into the present, coming back into your inner sense, um, it's almost like, like, don't even worry about whether that is building faith right now. Just like do the opposite of the of the anxiety pattern. Right. right. Well, yeah. And that's actually, that's so great. Cause that mindfulness meditation is something that, um, a therapist worked with me on for a while. And what we did was she would have me do it in our sessions because I, I would just, I would be naming all of the fucked up things that could happen. And, um, and there were many. <laughs> and the truth yeah. is, um, yeah, if you believe that fucked up things are going to happen to you, it doesn't even matter if they happen or not. You are a mess all the time because the future is, uh -huh. all uh -huh. you know, so yeah. like there's always there's always something around the corner. Maybe it's a fucking monster or maybe it's a beautiful palm tree like, you know, but if you're convinced that it's a monster then you're living your life that way. You're living in that fear constantly. Yes, yes. And so, um, so she, like, we would do this practice where we would take several deep breaths and then she would have me name what I could smell, mm. what I could hear and what I could feel. And mm. I would go through that process with her until I, had de-escalated all the anxiety, not, I don't, I don't think it de-escalated all of it, you know, especially when it was early, but it de-escalated a ton of it to the point where I was like, oh shit. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm meeting with my therapist, which is privileged as fuck. You know, so many people don't get therapists. I it's sun, it's sunny, which is lovely. I can feel sun on my arm. I can smell coffee that's being made in your office. I, I'm touching this soft chair with my fingers. Like I'm suddenly I've entered a poem, you oh. know? I mean, that's really the truth is like you, uh, it's about the senses and that is poetry. You've entered this space that's um, where there are these really lovely details. 
And um, that took this faith in the inevitable pain that was awaiting me at all times. It shifted that to right now, there's so many lovely things for me to be aware of. And these other things may not even happen. And by the way, like life is, this is, this has been my thing lately is that I get convinced that, um, something is awful. Like something will happen and I'll be like, this is fucking awful. Right? Like recently my cat was attacked by a fucking wild boar and my cat nearly died. And I owed out of nowhere, $6,500 to keep him alive. And he was going to need a second surgery. So I was looking at like, you know, $10,000 just overnight. Yeah. (laughs) And so, and I was like, this, obviously you could look at that and be like, this is fucked. This is bad. This is proof that the universe is not on my fucking team, dude. But then so many people, like my sister started to go fund me for me and over 60 people donated which blew my fucking mind. And like some people gave $200, some people gave $10, but to me, it, it was all the same. It was all love being poured into my cat. These people didn't know my cat and some people donated who I didn't even know, (laughs) you know, and, and that like finding those examples too, is like, that's, that's faith in the goodness of humanity. And I, I, did a practice, um, as part of my, like working out this struggle that I have around anxiety and lack of faith. I, I went on to GoFundMe and I thanked every single person individually who had donated because it was like my way. Well, for one thing, I wanted to acknowledge them, but it was also my way of, of like connecting directly with the goodness of humanity and like interacting and speaking to it and acknowledging it, um, connecting with it. Yeah. Connecting with something that's meaningful to me. Yeah. And, um, and it really had, it really impacted how I felt and other people, um, you know, my mom sent me some money and her, by the way, she did eventually get a boyfriend. It just took (laughs) 20 years. I was like 22 when my mom got a boyfriend. See, you never know. The universe has like different timelines than you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so her partner sent me some money as well. And well, and oh. this isn't about money, but th- mm-hmm. this is about generosity and this is about people supporting each other. And this is about, um, feeling hopeless and feeling, um, abandoned and then connecting with this energy that's like, actually people support me and, and actually the universe helps me and whatever universe means, you know, to right. you, like, I feel like the I mean, universe comes through the actions of others, but yeah, I, I, so yes, I love what you're saying about that, um, about mindfulness, because it's like the, the, we can never know the future and you we all might walk into the fucking jaw of the monster at any moment, or we might not. And things that look like we've just walked into the jaw of the monster might actually in the end not be what we think they are at first. Yeah. 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 I mean, so much of it is perspective. And I think this is where my dad, my dad's life was such a huge I'm grateful for the lesson it was because as I went through all of his things, I watched these, uh, he kept everything and boxes and things. And I watched these moments in his life where he was succeeding and things were working. And then he just didn't believe he was good enough. And somehow he sabotaged the job or pushed the person away or whatever over and over again. I saw, I could just see his storyline of where there was evidence of good happening for him and he could not feel it or see it. Um, and that's tragic, you know, that's tragic. And I'm still trying to understand, you know, why that is, but for one, it made me say like, I'm never going to do that. Like, why, why am I going to waste this moment I have right now choosing to feel 
scared. And mm-hmm. it doesn't always feel like a choice. Like I get it. Like I was, in, I spent my like twenties, teenage years, twenties, like just like constantly anxious. Like I, someone would have told me like, you can choose not to be anxious. I would have been like, fuck off. Like <laughs> you don't know what it's like, you know, yeah. but this is where I think what you said was so beautifully about the senses and what you described that your therapist led you through um, though I've, I've learned that as well and use that and, and refer to it as grounding because mm-hmm. I think sometimes when we say meditation, mindfulness, people are like, Oh, I'm supposed to sit down and not think. And I'm supposed to have no thoughts. And if I'm really anxious, like that's just terrifying because now all of my demons and all of these things are going to start running through my head and my right. body's feeling electric and I can't settle down like that, you know? And so grounding is in coming back to what is and what you can feel through your senses that aren't your mind running amok on you. And that is exactly what you described. And over time, those are, that can be small, you know, like it doesn't, you can make it a dedicated part of your day, or you can just, you know, as you're opening the door, like, Oh, this metal feels really cold right now. Mm -hmm. Just like try to feel your senses. And nature is a that is another huge part of this conversation for me um one it's proven like scientifically how good it is for calming your mind and it's because it's so sensory Mm -hmm. um it's providing so many sights and smells and textures and things that are absorbing you um and you know there's things that are happening biologically um but I also, for me, like nature was really that gateway into believing in something bigger than me that was loving and that Mm. I could trust. Mm. And it was in going into like the forest and seeing these ancient trees and thinking, well, these trees have been, been here through whatever, you know, I can't even imagine. Yeah. Like blizzards and earthquakes and fires. Fire over here and a bear scratching it over here, whatever. And like, they're still going or like, you know, seeing the seasons and the the spring come up again. And um, that's what I needed. I couldn't believe in anything being good enough or, you know, being good again in my life for Mm -hmm. a long time. Um, And I, it was only in like seeing the evidence of it in nature And and somehow I felt that, that I could start to open up to seeing the small moments in my life. And what you talked about with, with the GoFundMe and like that, I mean, that actually is a pretty huge evidence, like a pretty huge moment of, of a good thing and faith happening for you. And the moments can be smaller than that. Like I would say, if you can, and this is, this is the mental health practice too, where you're, and you talked about the rewiring, like with your Oracle deck, it's like the negative, the negative pathways might be really deep ruts. And so you have to make a conscious effort to see a positive thing. And if you can, like every day, try to notice something that went well for you, or maybe it just went neutrally and that's great too. Right. Yeah. Like bank it, you know, even if it's small, yeah, because that adds up. And over time, that's the gradual opening, I think, where you can where you might be able to start exploring like these larger, this larger faith in, in like a loving universe. Yeah, one thing I one idea I just had, what because I really do well, and I think probably a lot of people do with writing things down, like, if you write mm-hmm. it down, it's like, you've made something exist that didn't exist before. Mm-hmm. And if you can every day write down a thing that either it went neutrally or it, it went well, yeah, you can start to create that evidence. If, you know, let's say you live in a place where like you can't get to nature, not everyone right. can. That's yeah. another way to notice because as much as important as I genuinely believe that it is to, um, be politically active. It's also, it fucking beats Uh you up to, it beats Uh Uh up your nervous system. And if you are an anxious person, like I am, 
reading headlines, you know, I, I read, I go through headlines every morning and it's like, Jesus, yeah. <laughs> like, am, are we okay? Are we going to be okay? Like, is anything sacred? Um, and is there any good? That's the other thing. Is there any good? And if, and if you're like, um, if you're answering to that call to be an activist and be part of activism, which I do think is important, or at least to be aware, there has to be counteraction to keep your faith in the goodness of things, to maintain your faith and, and create a life that is a life dedicated to what is good, you know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's a whole, there's people who are amazing, brilliant writers and leaders and like spiritual activism who, you know, where for one thing, it's pretty revolutionary and a pretty big F you to the patriarchy to like resource yourself, right. To Mm -hmm. rest, Mm -hmm. to not be just exploited for, you know, if you can, I mean, this is, these are the debates around privilege and, and what you can and can't do, but um, yes, I think I'm- what you're talking about is it's like, you can only give if you are getting filled up in some way. Right. And that's a really, it's a really, it's an important debate. I mean, if you're someone who has been, has experienced trauma and is really anxious you know, as much as you might push, be pushing yourself to know about every little thing that's happening right now, because that's what good people do. And you need to be like, uh, you know, informed in order to make a difference. That might not be the case for a little while. If you need to restore your nervous system in order to have the strength to actually get involved and help, you know? Yeah. So I want to pull some points out. So one is nature. If you can get into nature, because there, there is like scientific proof that it has a biological effect, um, mm-hmm. and deescalates and, uh, is, is like a, an anti anti-anxiety medication <laughs> is, yeah, and if it's not nature, like it's your senses, right. It's right. that grounding. Right. So, and then another option is like, um, grounding or some people call it mindfulness where you close your eyes and, and focus on what you feel in the moment. Another thing could be, or, or smell or hear, et cetera. Another thing could be writing down things that went well, or that were neutral during the day that weren't a shit storm that you thought they could be. Um, yeah. and the other point I wanted to bring up is I love that you brought in self-care as, um, activism. And I just wanted to call out that that was my understanding is that that originally um, that originated with Audre Lorde, who is a very Uh famous, incredible black woman, um, scholar, writer, poet, activist. And she wrote essays about um, the one that I remember reading was about this in this deep joy and sensual pleasure in mm. fruit and, and yeah. making food and preparing food and like enjoying the smells and enjoying the colors and enjoying the feel of the food, um, on her skin. And, um, so I, I, I just wanted to like call out that Audrey Lord, yeah. is just like fucking brilliant, um, <sighs> woman, black woman activist, um, created all of that. And now there's so much, you know, we talk about self-care so much and it's because it's super powerful. Um, okay. One last question. You and I are both astrology practitioners and I'm curious how astrology has affected your relationship to faith and how you implement that into your work as a therapist. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, for me, I, I, astrology first became kind of a bridge into me finding meaning spiritually in a way that wasn't connected with my, uh, religious upbringing, mm. um, to try to understand my place in the universe. This is coming back to that connection, 
you know, that I'm a, a, I'm a part of something bigger, but what is that bigger thing? Um, I think what helped me too was listening to women who I felt had developed like a faith that was loving and not fear-based mm-hmm. and they happen to be astrologers. So just some podcasts that I really like Sarah Faith Goddess Diener and her moon beaming podcast. And um, another woman I listen to is Molly McCord who does intuitive astrology and she does this weekly kind of reads on um, what's happening and seeing, seeing um, the energies or the universe from this higher perspective of soul growth Mm -hmm. Um, and that, that, and that perspective came to me after losing my father and really trying to understand like, where did he go and what is life? And I really, I really started resonating with, um, you know, this idea that our soul comes into a body and we, we learn through a lifetime and then we have multiple lifetimes. Um, and astrology just, it just, astrology just felt like a remembering once I was learning it I don't know how to describe it and this is you know I think that anything that you learn and when you're looking for what's meaningful to you and what you want to connect to and what you might want to use as a guiding meaning making system for you it might not be astrology it might be something completely different but if it feels if if as you're learning or hearing about it it feels like you're remembering something that you've always known Mm. like pay attention to that feeling, you know, because I think that's alignment or that's, it could be, you know, your life, your soul from another life, remembering something, you know, totally. The fact is it's a giant freaking mystery. No one really knows. So choose your own adventure, choose your own meaning (laughs) that you, that feels good for you. Like, why not? Like, what the fuck are we on this planet for? If not, you know, well, and that's to your point, like that thing about, um, Oh, this feels like a remembering for me, it feels like, like I get really excited and I, Mm -hmm. it's that feeling of like, um, this energizes me, this thing over here fucking drains me. And that's Mm -hmm. the anxiety. And this thing over here gets me really excited. And there are several things that do that, but astrology has definitely been one of them. And another thing I wanted to say about astrology is that I, my, like I mentioned earlier, Growing up in a chaotic home with um, emotionally chaotic parents, both of my parents were, especially when I was younger, were super emotionally chaotic. I did not learn how to have compassion for myself. I did not know how to be nice to myself. I knew how to work myself to the fucking bone. I knew how to tell myself I was super flawed and I'd fucked everything up. You know what I mean? Like I knew all Mm -hmm. that. When I started studying astrology, I started to see things, um, like for, here's a great example. I have a Libra moon and Libra, uh, there's beautiful things about it and there's challenges, you know, and, and some of the challenges are like people pleasing and, um, and betraying your own truth in order to keep, uh, keep harmony and, um, peace in a situation. And that was something that I knew about myself. I knew that I did that, but I hated myself for it. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I was, when it would, when I would see myself do it, it would create this sense of self-loathing. But then when I learned that I had a Libra moon, I was like, Oh, (laughs) this is just like, part of my fucking astrological DNA. This is just like work and, and I don't have to beat myself. It doesn't mean I have to, um, let myself get away with things, you know, that I want to change or work Mm -hmm. on. It just means that I don't have to be so fucking hard on myself when I do them. I can be like, Oh, I, I, man, I'm a Libra moon over here. Wow. This is a really challenging situation for me. And it fills me with tons of fear and dread to, uh, speak my truth when I know that someone's going to get really mad about it. Mm -hmm. Okay. What do I need right now? Okay. I need to meet with my therapist about this first. I need to write out what I'm going to say. I need to have a plan for afterwards. So I feel safe. Like rather than being like you fucking idiot, you should just be able to do this. Other people can do it. What's wrong with you. So I think for me, like 
with faith, part of, part of there, uh, there's this other aspect I want to pull out, which is this inward outward, right? What's going on inward is, is also going to start being what, what's going on outwardly, right? Like if I am going through hell inside, then I'll be going through hell outside too, like in the world around me, because I'm so like freaked out inside. But if I can start, like, I can't control anyone else. I can't make that person not be mad at me because I said, I'm drawing a boundary here or whatever. But what I can do is be like inside. I feel great about this. And I've created, um, I've created pillows around me for this thing. That's really hard. And that looks like therapy. That looks like, um, going to my friend's house after I've had this tough conversation that looks like, um, taking, um, the weekend off afterwards. So I can just rest and rejuvenate whatever that looks like, but that's going to start making my outward life look so much better. And that is faith, right? Like that's when your outward life starts looking better, then it's like, okay, you know, life is chill. Life is okay. Like, yeah, it's going to throw me some fucking curveballs, and yeah, there's going to be tragedy and pain, but I can also, when I'm loving myself inside, I can create lovingness outside. I can build these pillows. I can do these things. And, um, and that's going to help me feel safer in the world. And that's what faith is, you know, for me, it's just feeling safer in the world. It's feeling safe and believing and believing that you'll be safe and how you feel inside is what you're going to radiate outside. And to, to just, you know, echo what you said about astrology it's such a powerful tool in in feeling good about yourself by understanding yourself it it doesn't just feel like this random these things that are wrong with you and i think what's beautiful about astrology too is that any sign any thing in your chart there's sort of this um uh higher higher vibration lower vibration or whatever there's a spectrum of the expression of each sign right so you're talking about the libra things and like okay like what do i need right now like i'm kind of i'm kind of in the i'm operating in the challenges of this um pattern or this energy how can i shift it into the strengths of it and Mm -hmm. so in therapy when you know first and foremost i'm approaching someone and their life and what they're going through and who they are from a strengths-based perspective where like I am seeing everything through the lens of what's the strength here Mm. you know in this challenge or even this emotion or what might look like a really dysfunctional pattern like there's a strength in there somewhere and so by looking at the chart we can really point at okay, like, yeah, you might be feeling challenges here, but here's the potential or the strengths. And he, and then like, we can look at some really specific practices or things that make sense. And I have yet to meet someone where we do this. Who's like, that doesn't make sense to me. That's way off. Like, it's like, oh my gosh. Yes. Like, that's why, that's why. I love that so fucking much. And the reason why is because I, I think a lot of people, when they think about astrology and they don't understand how astrology works, they think it's just this like fucking esoteric, like hippies, like feeling the stars or whatever, but it's actually a very practical tool. Very. Yeah. And there, there are very practical ways of applying it to your life that create positive change in your life. Yeah. Yeah. And when we talk about faith, it's like, you want like feel having faith and feeling safe having faith in yourself and having faith in yourself as part of, you know, a larger picture. Like what's the meaning of your life? Why are you here? What's, you know, I mean, and that's the bigger picture things, but you can come back to the very immediate day-to-day sense of yourself as the root of your faith. Uh, I love that so much. Liz, where can people find you on the internet if they want to connect with you? Oh, well, thanks. I would love anyone to, you can visit just my website is lizhummer.com. And I do um, counseling, coaching, and then also, you know, just astrology readings, exactly like how I described it. <laughs> I love that. Yay. Fuck. Yeah, girl. That is so tight. And if you want to find uh, me, I'm on Instagram at Remy's R-E-M-E-E-Z. You can email me at the Patrama party. Wait. That's wrong. Patrama party. There's no the 
patramaparty at gmail.com. And um, also, if you're into the pod, we're on Apple Podcasts. Go on over there and like, comment, subscribe. It really does help. Liz, I cannot thank you enough for coming on. This is not only have uh, I really enjoyed this conversation, but it's genuinely been healing for me. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Me too. Thanks, Remy. Yeah, for sure. And for the rest of you, enjoy the party, baby. Bye.